Good afternoon. Oh, there we go. A little delayed reaction. It's all good. Um, <laughs> it's good to be with you all. I think I'm finally getting used to saying good afternoon and not good morning. Um, but if you're new here, I just want to welcome you. And um, just for introduction, I'm Rashad, one of the pastors here. And most Sundays, I get to preach God's word to, to our community. So um, how are we feeling today? I'm trying to get a read on where we're at right now. If I'm going to get some amens today or not, or we're just like, nah, I just, just want to be quiet and contemplative today. I'm just trying to get a gauge to know how to preach this word today. All right, <laughs> well, let me pray. And um, as we get into to God's word, Father, I, I do thank you for your word, that it's alive and that it's active and that you're here. Emmanuel, God with us. That you're with us um, on the mountaintop, you're with us in the valley, and you're present. You're ever present help in time of need. And so um, you said if we call on you, that you would answer. So we just call on you. And uh, we ask for your spirit to give us light to see what you're doing. We ask for your spirit to bring us comfort and to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, I, I, I love this time of year. Um, not because it gets dark at 4.30 and it's cold, but I love this time of year because the holidays are, are they're amazing, right? I mean, I get, I, I get nostalgic around this time of year. We go through old bins of stuff. And I'm like, don't throw away that ornament. No, don't throw away that picture. No, I love it. Right? Like, I just get really, uh, you know, you know how it is. All right. Like a Lifetime movie. Like that. Um, <laughs> and um, I love that we're taking a break from the book of Acts, though I've I'm thoroughly enjoying going through the book of Acts as a church, but I love this season of Advent because what it does is it helps us to, to pause and, and to prepare and, and to calibrate our hearts for Jesus. Um, because as the angels said, this is cause for great joy. This is cause for great joy that Jesus came in the first Advent and that he's coming again and we get to look forward to his coming and his arrival again. And so as we're in this season, and right now in your season, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself this question. What are you looking forward to? You don't have to answer out loud. Answer internally. What are you, what are you looking forward to? And, and if hope makes a difference, if hope can make a difference, then what would you hope for? And I know, I know this, is, um, this is a question we're probably asking each other, ourselves, in one way or in another. What am I looking forward to this season? What, what, do, I, what do I hope happens in the world and in, and in my life? Um, for some of us, we might be looking forward to a new calendar year, like 2022. Like we're, we're hoping that a new calendar year brings change. We might be looking forward to spending time with, with loved ones. We might be looking forward to gifts. Right? This is a season of giving, right? Might be looking forward to gifts. Some of us might even be looking forward to snow. Yeah, we got a few that might be looking forward to snow. Um, we might be looking forward to time off. Um, we, we might be hoping for COVID to be over. We might be hoping for things to get back to normal. We might be hoping for justice in the world. We might be hoping for a better world. You name it, we're looking forward and hoping for these things in one way or another. And may, maybe you're the kind of person that you feel like waiting and hoping just feels like an exercise of futility. 
why wait and hope doesn't do anything. I remember, I remember as a kid and, and partly into adulthood, I would really look forward to this season and I was with, like, with hopeful expectation. That kind of wanes as you get older and I'm trying to, to, to recover that. But if you, maybe that was you as a kid, you, you looked forward to this season, you had this hopeful expectation um, and you imagined the gift of the season or the gift that your parents would buy you and how opening them and receiving them would change your life. I, I remember like, if I get a big wheel, a motorized big wheel, that would change my life. That would change my life on the neighborhood and all the kids will adore me, right? We have those imaginations. We have the dreams. If I get those new Carl Kanai jeans, and I'm, way, I'm talking way past a lot of your dates right here. You're like, what, is it? what are Carl Kanai jeans? Anyways, cross colors. Like, if I get that, I will be the talk of the town, right? And we think about how these things might change our life, and we can imagine it. I can imagine it so vividly that it would change my present condition, even though it hasn't happened yet. And we have two people in our story, Simeon and Anna, and they're, they're imagining a future ahead that's affecting their present and how they conduct themselves and the posture of their hearts. They're eagerly anticipating God's redemption and fulfillment. And my guess is for a lot of us, waiting or believing for something better to happen is, is problematic. And here's why it's problematic. I'll give a simple example. For, for instance, I order, uh, we order a lot of packages in our, in our household. And um, a lot of times I will curb my expectation or anticipation because if there's one thing I've learned about life in the postal service is that it will let you down. <laughs> yes. There we go. That, that's how I get an amen up in here. <laughs> Like, we can all experience that. We're like, yeah, it says it's going to be here that day, but I'm going to curb my expectation because what I'm, I'm used to being disappointed. I'm used to things not coming, and it's easier to curb my expectation. And on a grander scale, I think sometimes we take that into life and we go, it's better not to hope so I don't get let down. And we do that because we go, my heart can't handle it. My, can't, my heart can't handle another letdown. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Crushed hope crushes the heart, but a hope fulfilled brings life to our hearts. Here's, here's the thing that's true about, I believe, of all humans, that our heart was made for hope. That our, that our souls or something deep down inside tell us that we were made for more. There's something grander that we long for that we can't always put into words, but we know that it's there. The, the writer of the wisdom literature says God has set eternity in our hearts. And like not receiving a package until we see or possess the promises and the things that we long for in our heart, we feel incomplete. And here's the thing that's um, almost without fail. Whenever I expect to receive something, to receive a gift, or expect a new season to change my life, that I, it's always temporal and underwhelming satisfaction. I'm like, man, this gift, like, like talking about that power wheel, is like, that's going to change my life. Eventually the batteries run out, and the, the lifespan, the battery starts to wane, and I go, this didn't do what I thought it was going to do for me. Can you relate? 
So why wait and long? Longing can feel like an unfair burden. But here's the good news. Waiting and longing are the containers that God fills and fulfills. When we talk about waiting, we're talking about readiness, preparedness. So read in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We find his man Simeon. He's, we find, what do we find him doing? We find him waiting. It says that he's righteous. That means he's upright. That means that he has a sincere desire to please God. He's devout. He's devoted to a pursuit, to a belief, to a mode of behavior. When it says devout, the term literally means taking hold well, taking hold carefully. So in the midst of Roman power and occupation in a world riddled with pain and sickness and injustice and despair, disillusionment, disappointment, in a place, in a time where it may may appear that God is not making good on his promises, we find Simeon devout and righteous. Faithfully taking hold to the way of God, faithfully wanting to please God and staying true to him and living his life in accordance to the way of God, posturing his heart in view of God's promises and in God's faithfulness with a hope that God will restore all things. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. One commentator says this, the consolation of Israel means the messianic hope. One of the traditional Jewish prayers is, may I see the consolation of Israel. So the the text doesn't say what Simeon's doing in this moment, but I think it's safe to assume that he was probably praying this prayer, may I see the consolation of Israel. When we talk about prayer, he's taking the longing of his heart and he's directing it towards God. And while he's doing this this prayer, while he's directing his heart towards God with this longing, God speaks to him and says that the Holy Spirit was on him. And God speaks to his heart and says, you will see what you've been waiting for. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He doesn't know when he will die but all he knows is that before he dies, that God's promises, promise to him is that he will see the Messiah. That could be in one day, it could be one year, it could be in 10 years, but he has a guarantee that he will see. I want you to imagine if God told you one day you were going to see the thing that you most deeply long for. What that might do for you in the moment, what that might speak to your heart to hear that God sees you and he says, I know what you've been longing for. And guess what? Before you die, you will see it. You will see my faithfulness. Verse 27 says, moved by the spirit, he went to the temple courts. The Spirit is at work in him. He hears this promise from God, and the first thing he does is he goes to the temple courts. And what are the temple courts? A place of worship. He immediately goes to a place of worship, and that's, that's the place where he encounters Jesus. It says Mary and Joseph bring the baby to Simeon, and they, they don't know his prayer. They don't know that God has promised him that he's going to see Jesus before he dies. They're just following the, the custom 
and the, um, the Jewish law to dedicate their first son to the Lord. They're dedicating their first son to the Lord. Simeon is, 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 is responding to a prompt of the spirit to go to the temple course. And at that moment, he gets to preside, preside over the dedication of Jesus. And while he's doing this, he recognizes the magnitude of the moment. One commentator says this, wrapped up in the life of this child was all their hope there could ever be in this world of sadness and pain. All the hopes of the world are wrapped up in Jesus. And here's how Simeon responds to Jesus. He beholds him and he worships. He says in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, the longing for healing and restoration of all the losses, all the pain, the misery, the sickness, the judgment, exile, guilt, fear, loneliness, death, or the, the hope of the world of healing, restoration, and the revival of God are now in his hands in the person and the presence of Jesus. He says, after all these years of waiting, God, you are so faithful. Man, you, as you promised, you made good. After all the years of crying, after all the years of suffering, after all the years and the moments of wondering, will God show up? I have this longing inside of me. Will God fulfill it? And in this moment, it's realized that hope works, that hope matters, and it's wrapped up in Jesus. As you've promised. Romans 5 says this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Hope will not lead to disappointment. If you've been disappointed, I understand I've been disappointed, but the person of Jesus that does not disappoint. Hope in Jesus does not disappoint. But I want you to, I want you to hear this. It's in the waiting that God brings the fulfillment. It's in, it's in the waiting, in the process of waiting and, and seeking God and, and being devout and holding on to what's true that God brings his fulfillment. The hopes of Israel. And it's, I love that it, it says that the Holy Spirit was there because the Holy Spirit's presence in the world is to help us see Jesus and to steady our hearts in the times of darkness and despair. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or someone searching for this longing in your heart, the Holy Spirit is present and active in this world to point you to Jesus and says the darkness is not forever. He says in verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. To see, one commentator says, to see Jesus is to see God's salvation. They are inseparable. There is joy even in the face of death when one has seen the source of life. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. There's something about waiting. We see it all throughout the scriptures. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait upon the Lord. I say again, wait. There's something about waiting and waiting and anticipating God to show up and waiting that God shows up in our waiting. And Simeon, after this encounter, says, I can, now I can go in peace. 
peace despite my circumstances, peace despite what's going on in the world, because in this, at the presence of Jesus, I have perfect peace. When Jesus breaks into our world, hope is birthed, hope is stirred and awakened. You might have been one of those who've experienced loss over these last couple of years. You might experience loss from a loved one or a friend or a job or neighbor, you might have lost hope. And here's what Advent says, all is not lost. If there's anything that you get from today, you could disagree with everything I'm saying, but here's what I'm saying. This is what Advent says, hope is not lost. That in the darkest moment that Jesus breaks into our timeline and says, here's hope. Here's hope. Here's, here's a way to, to life. The source of life is here despite your circumstances. A source of life is here. So lift up your eyes. Let that sink in. Ask yourself, what do I need restored? Isaiah 53 says, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. Do you have ruins? He will make her deserts like Eden. Do you feel like you've been in a desert? Her wastelands like the Garden of Eden. Have you been in a wasteland? And then it says, joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Waiting on the constellation of Israel is waiting for the restoration of all things. Our deserts, our ruins, our wastelands, and with life and garden and fruitfulness and singing. See, this, see, this word is, is, is a little tricky, right? Especially if you play sports, consolation. Some of us might think, man, is this like God's second best? Is this the consolation bracket? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I just, <laughs> this is not what this word means. Like, all right, God, it didn't work out, so you're sending some consolation. You're sending us to like, like, the, like some bootleg tennis shoes right here. No, this is the real authentic deal. Jesus is God's first, best, and only plan. Another commentator says this about consolation. The consolation was a term used to designate the Messiah. Israel's ultimate hope was the consolation only the Messiah could bring. Have you ever waited for something and when it comes you feel greatly disappointed? Have you ever waited for something so long and then go, man, that wasn't worth it? I've been waiting for the new Matrix, and it came out, and man, it was a bummer, man. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm just, I'm just making it up. It's probably, it probably would probably be a bummer. Um, <laughs> sequels. <laughs> Anyways, like if you waited for something to have your hopes up and this thing, this thing's going to deliver. This thing's going to change my life, and it, it falls flat. And you're so disappointed, and sometimes we can live from a posture of disappointment that we take it to God, and we go, God, you'll probably disappoint too. God will probably let me down. And here's why he sends his spirit. He said the spirit is the comforter. And the comforter is here to remind us that God is faithful. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead us to truth. When our mind was to tell us lies about who God is, the Holy Spirit will say, no, he's a faithful God. No, he's a God who holds everything in order. No, he's a God whose arms are not too short to help. He's a God who forgives. He's a God whose eyes and his heart are bent towards you. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's job to do. Comfort, comfort. This is who God is. Don't let your heart be sunken. Don't let your heart be in despair because you serve a God who sits on the throne of righteousness and justice and fulfills his promises, who finishes what he starts. So don't give up. Pick up your hands. Fix your eyes on him. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God, Isaiah chapter 40. The truth is darkness is temporary, and Jesus has come and will come. The prophet Malachi says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Waiting isn't passive. It's actively pursuing God till he shows up. Like Anna, she never left the temple. She, she worshiped day and night, fasted and prayed because she knew the promises of God. She's, and look at her situation. You might think, oh, look, she's got it good. She's an elderly woman who's a widow in first century Middle East. She's a person with loss and pain. And she could be viewed as someone who's received a bad lot in life. But what does she do? She doesn't sulk. She grabs hold and seeks the face of God. She knows the promises of God, and she's holding him to him. It's her life's pursuit. Why? Because there's great reward in waiting. Hebrews 9 says this, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. He's coming back a second time to meet those who eagerly have been waiting for him. The anticipation that you live in, that Christ is coming, that something good's coming, that something's better is coming, that the kingdom's coming. That place that you live in, he's coming for you. So where do you direct your longing? Where do you direct your longing for a better world? Where do you direct your longing for a better you? This is, this is why Advent is so important. I don't want you to forget this. Advent says that God has not given up on the world. I think we need to hear this right now. God has not given up on the world. The news cycle might tell us something different. The editorial might tell us something different. The pundits might tell us something different. But the word of God, which never returns void, which is worthy to build our house upon, our lives upon, says that God has not given up on humanity, that God has not given up on you. Though you failed, though you've had a bad year, though you've had a bad quarter, though your family may have discarded you, God says, I haven't given up on you. And Advent says, Christ has come, and Christ is coming back, and he's coming for you. So let's go back to our opening question. What are you looking forward to? I, I want to I contend that maybe our, our longing is God working in us. That, that maybe it's God showing that you're not going to find satisfaction in anything else but himself. And maybe the, the, the dissatisfaction, the disappointments in our lives is, is kindling for hunger and worship. What we see in this story and in countless others is, is that God is drawn to those who long for him. Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Our, our longings, our, our waiting is containers for God to fill and fulfill. 
the greater the longing, the greater the hunger, the greater the filling. Maybe the ache of longing is the point to a greater fulfillment in Christ. I think, I think the best worship, and we see this with David, and we see this with a lot of the prophets, comes from a place of desperation and longing for the one true king. Peter says, silver and gold I have not, but I have Jesus. I offer you Jesus. Job, who's probably gone through the worst lot in life, says in Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Simeon and Anna are in a world of threats, pain, and suffering, but they know their Redeemer lives. The psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy I will see it in the land of the living. Simeon represents our longing for consolation, comfort, peace, and healing. Anna represents our search for redemption, which means deliverance, freedom, and liberation. Is there something that you like, I need freedom from? There's something in your life where like, I need that broken over my life. And Anna's longing for redemption was all wrapped up in Jesus. The sun of righteousness is rising. How we wait matters. Isaiah 49 says, Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted ones. It doesn't say you have judgment on his conflicted ones. You have compassion. For those who wait well, we see this almost every time in scriptures. At the appearing of Jesus, it is met with an outpouring of song and joy. All these encounters that we read in Advent, somebody bust out into song, right? Like shepherds, angels, like they're all Mary, her sister, they're all Zechariah, they're all bust into song. When they experience Jesus at his appearing, man, there's like this joy and there's this, this well within them that, that can't be contained. They begin to sing. And they write songs and they write music because God is faithful and he's good and they get to see it and experience it and they get a, a foretaste of the goodness to come. So when we say here, man, we're advancing joy, we're saying we have this implanted hope inside our souls that Jesus is alive, that he's at the right hand of the Father, that regardless of whatever happens in our world, in our lives, we have this hope that we can't contain that points us to him and so we can sing. We can sing with tears in our eye. We can sing with maybe scars on our body because we know that our redemption has drawn nigh. So they, Simeon and Anna, they give praise to God because this is what they were waiting for. This is what they lived for, the presence and the person of Jesus in the flesh. All right, we're almost done. One of my favorite writers, Ronald Ruhlheiser, says this, spirituality is ultimately about what we do with that desire, what we do with our longings, both in terms of handling the pain and the hope they bring us. That is our spirituality. Church, God meets us in our waiting, and the fulfillment is way better than what we expected. Sovereign Lord, you have promised our God is a God who fulfills his promises. And our last question is, will you believe him?
That's it. Will you believe him that he will show up, that you're not alone, and that he will restore and reconcile and redeem all things? Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, um, we thank you for your son. Thank you that he, that he brings comfort, hope, joy, that it's real, that it will never disappoint, that you lift up those who are bowed down. We thank you that Emmanuel, God with us, is here with us right now. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to, uh, to trust again. Renew our faith, renew our hope, awaken it, stir it within us, fix our eyes on Jesus. And for those who don't know if Jesus is real, right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.